so there's one last thing pressing that we really didn't get into on our last podcast because it was the trade deadline. Yeah. And it was right before we were like, I guess in a quiet period. Right, the 25th <laughs> hour of, of, well, right before the 25th hour because that's when everything started to be pushed through. But we were like in a, in a the quiet period. We didn't know what really to expect. But then out of nowhere, the, the Cavaliers. Just changed their whole roster. Their in about whole roster. In five hours. <laughs> right, everybody. It was like a whole bunch of Nicolas Cages. They were all gone in 60 <laughs> seconds from that roster. So it was just like, what, what do you think about their changes? And do their changes put them over the top in the East? Does it put them over the top in, in, in the whole league? And, and what do you think it does for them in the future? And how does that affect LeBron? I think it's amazing what they did and what they were able to do. Because what we said in the previous podcast is whether they traded the Brooklyn pick or not was going to be a real determining factor on whether LeBron was going to stay and make this thing work or whether it's time to blow it all up, right? Obviously, they weren't going to trade LeBron, but how they parlay the assets they did have right now would be really telling of the future. And what they did was they found this really brilliant middle path where they got younger, more athletic, uh, more versatile, and at the same time, they didn't really give up any major future assets. They still have the Brooklyn pick. Um, they didn't just dump contracts to dump contracts. Um, and they really revitalized this team with a bunch of guys who um, have a lot of fight and are still improving and really want to play meaningful games and are probably like super excited to be playing with LeBron James. And, you know, he's a great teammate. So I think he's kind of back in the role of being the teacher and the uh, you know unquestioned leader and everybody looking up to him and looking for his approval and his guidance and him being able to play that role, which he's very good at, of instructing guys and yes. teaching basketball because he's a brilliant basketball mind. And the worst thing that you could have, I think, around him are guys who think they know what they're doing. Mm. and are stubborn and are set in their ways and whatever. And I see it, Thomas. You know, and the best thing you could have Don't is wait. guys who are young but not too young, who are who, who are veteran enough but are still learning, yes. who have, you know, only kind of cut their teeth to some extent and are really ready to take that next step, and he can help them yes. take that next step. I mean, I really like the trade for them. I think getting Jordan Clarkson... A guy who he's versatile. We've seen him, yes, we've seen him play defense. We've seen him play offense, and I think it's slash putting him next to LeBron James and giving him that freedom to just go out and play. I think it's done a lot for his morale because yep. he was on a team with the Lakers where he's never really been given the keys. Yep. And so I think with him being on the second unit and saying, "Okay, you go out here. Here you are. We know your role," and actually have something to play for in that role because I felt like he felt like the players that were playing in front of him. He were or better not necessarily better, right. So right. it was like, he was. I'm not saying that we didn't see his maximum potential. Well, I'm saying that we didn't see his maximum potential because they put people in front of him that necessarily shouldn't have been playing there. And it kind of, it, it wasn't a good situation for him, I think, mentally. So having him in a new situation, I think that was good for him. I think Larry Nance is underrated for what he can bring, especially being athletic. and Especially playing a four. Exactly. Slight rim protection. Not really enough, I think, what the Cavaliers need, but I don't think anybody really, really needs that. Put some length for yes. offensive rebounds and for, um, you know, for throwing lobs and, you know, a little more extension on a, on a roll man in the pick and roll. I mean, he gives them a lot of those Tristan Thompson things yes. that, and maybe Tristan Thompson picks up some of those Tristan Thompson things too. Um, but, and, and maybe a foil who eventually would go against Draymond Green, yes. right? 
uh, where that's that's kind of a comfortable matchup. Or a guy you might put on Durant for a little bit because he has some good length. So he's a really interesting piece. Uh, you got George Hill, right? Which is a great piece for them. I Who's think. been shooting the ball really, really Amazing. well. And, and really competent. One thing that they they didn't have, not saying that they didn't have it with Kyrie because he could stay in front of the ball slightly, but they actually have a point guard that's going to defend now and stay yep. in front of the ball. And I think that's going to give Steph Curry a little bit more trouble if they if they reach that level. Or if he's, not a, he's not a small point guard exactly, either. Exactly, he's not. So I, I think he they, they did well. With with this trade, and then I mean, you get Rodney Hood also, who's super underrated. Yes, another, and that's another player that I feel like wasn't really given the opportunity that he should have been. I mean, he had a few plays. He was in front kind of, of him. earning it as exactly, as it went on. exactly. So I think um, before they had they had Jeremy Evans there, they had um, I think Alex Burke. Mm-hmm. They had a few other players there who were on the wing who I think didn't really give Rodney Joe Hood, Johnson <laughs> exactly didn't really give Rodney Hood the chance to flourish like he could, but being a left handed. Player six eight who can shoot the ball. I, I think that's gonna bode well for him and for the Cavaliers. And I think one thing that the Cavs ran into was that their roster, the construction of it. I don't think that Dan Gilbert, when he made the trade to Boston, that he really accounted for the fact that these teams just went against each other mm-hmm. in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. And so Isaiah Thomas feeling like he wasn't at a hundred percent and he had to watch his troops go down without him. There's some sort of resentment there. And then you're looking at Jay Crowder, who was actually playing in the games, and to be beat that way. I mean, it's kind of demoralizing to say, okay, now we have to play with these guys. So I don't think that was accounted for. And just them two being, I guess, ingratiated into the Cavalier way, I don't think it ever really happened. And there were reports that Isaiah Thomas and, and Jay Crowder would be, like, off to the side when everybody was together. And then I heard that there was rumors of a grumpy old man in the group as far as Dwayne Wade. Like, he was the one who actually questioned where Kevin Love was during that illness period. So I just think this whole, it was just a new infusion of energy that they needed, not only for themselves, but for LeBron James, because it gives them a chance to say, okay, well, we have a direction to go to for the future. We have some pieces that we can build on, even if LeBron leaves, because we still have this number one draft pick. So it protects them in the future. And also now it says to LeBron, why would you want to go anywhere? Because the one thing that you wanted to see from the Cavs, which you didn't really see in previous regimes, is that, they're willing to take chances to put players around you to win yeah. championships. Yeah. And so now that they're taking the chances and saying, okay, we're not going to hold on to these players who we've had that worked for three or four years. We're going to get new players. And we're also going into the luxury tax year after year to get these players. So I don't know what more Cleveland can do to really keep LeBron James happy, only if that relationship between him and Dan Gilbert, you know, is really that sour. But yeah. I don't know. I think he stays, in my opinion. The other thing it helps them is um, it helps bring back some of the guys who have been on the roster and maybe had their role changed. So a guy like J.R. Smith, who played really, really well yes. when it was very clear that, hey, we need you to shoot. You have the green light. You're a big part of this team. You're one of the last five guys on the court to close out games. You add D. Wade, and you are necessarily having to have him, t- uh, Jr. take a, a back seat, right? When you have a Derrick Rose also, this is not a, a distribution point guard. When you have Isaiah Thomas, this is not a distribution point guard. These guys need shots. And so you can only have so many shots out of that guard position, right? Um, and so I think it helps Jr. get back to his old role. Yes. And it seems like he's been shooting the ball a little better lately he's since then more defense would, like. yeah so i think you know a guy like him needs to be engaged uh because the risk with jr is that mentally he drops out and doesn't care and i think 
the best that JR has ever played is when he's played next to LeBron James. Yes. And it's very clear, hey, you have a role here. You're a big part of what we're doing here, and we need you. And so we we, we want you to take a lot of shots, and we need you to make them. And, um, you know, we're, we're not going to reduce your role um, so that we can build a super team and, and, and make you an afterthought. And maybe Tristan Thompson ends up having a similar resurgence. Uh, you know, I, to I me that's so. more of a question mark because I don't know if if, uh, if it's an injury thing or an athleticism yeah. thing as much as it is being checked in or checked out. Um, but, you know, those guys won, okay? And adding all those superstar guys is sort of a signal that we don't have enough. Yes. And maybe... Having some of these younger, underrated guys who are not quite the big names come in and, and fill those shoes instead, communicate something to the old guys to say, "Hey, nothing's really changed here. Yes. We're the same old team we used to be. This is this is the crew that worked, and we've just added a couple complementary pieces. So there's no threat to your job. We still need you to do what you do, and 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 these guys are just going to plug in spots that we also yeah, need. I, I think Dwayne Wade's addition. I think the way they handled it." to just throw him right into the two-guard position and, and let him start, I think that, that kind of took something away from JR. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I and, think, the, and he went to the bench. Exactly. Which was a clear... Which which is not where he wanted to be because he, he had that role for most of his career. So it's like, do I really want to be the sixth man again? And I think what they should have did was put D-Wade on the bench from the beginning. Sure. And, and at the end of the game, if Dwayne Wade needs to be in a, in a lineup or in the game, he certainly can be there, but... J.R. Smith has been a, a vital part of your team, especially when you're losing a lot of your offense with Kyrie Irving. This man, yeah. J.R., represents a, st- um, a stabilization of your offense. Absolutely. When you have him there next to LeBron James, and he's going to be one of the players that you play through. And I think what they could have did was they could have took advantage of Dwayne Wade's skill against second-unit players. And that Absolutely. actually will work him. It, it, that's like him getting his rest during the season. Get your reps against these guys who obviously can't guard you. Get your legs under you. Get your confidence. Start feeling like Dwayne Wade the Flash again. So and that then, last five minutes of a game, exactly. you're ready. You, you're in that mode where you're in that killer instinct mode. Absolutely. And I can go and get the game if I need to. And then that will bode well for you in the playoffs because now if we need you to start, you still have your legs under you because you weren't playing starter minutes during the whole season. So I just think that it, that could have been handled better and that could have been addressed better. But I just think that the way the Cavs were constructed in the offseason, I don't think that it bode well for where they were going. A lot of people was like, oh, I like these trades. But I think that just the, from a morale standpoint, the trade, it, it wasn't, you know, I don't think people looked at it. It wasn't examined properly before it was executed. And the pieces that they had before the trade, obviously they weren't working to the point where the regular season wasn't going well enough. But when you look at matchups against, you know, Golden State, which you kind of have to compare everything against because that's the ultimate goal, they were going to get killed. Right, the guards that they had defensively were not going to do anything against Clay and Steph. In fact, it would probably be worse to some extent than what they've had in prior years. So that's no solution because you have to be able to defend at at a pretty high level against what is an outstanding offensive team. And what this gives them is a lot of matchup flexibility where they can go small and but still be long and still kind of have this positionless basketball. And, and really get a little creative with lineups. And I think it, that's something that was just not possible with the prior roster. And they, they really had no chance, um, uh, you know, matchup-wise against a team like Golden State and hardly against most of the rest of the league. I mean, but I think it remains to be seen. I think 
one thing I look at with the Cavs is that they still have LeBron James. Yeah. And when you have LeBron James, I don't think anybody can bet against you. And that roster has been a revolving doll the whole year with player injuries, trying to work players back in. Now we see trades. Kevin Love is still not healthy. So I think when we finally see this team get together and, and operate at a high level, it's going to be right back to the same story of you can't bet against LeBron. And, Absolutely. And I, I think that's just the way that it's going to be. We haven't really seen the full potential of this team, but we've seen that LeBron James was able to keep this team afloat. And I compared the Cavs right now to what the Spurs are doing in the West because the Spurs are a threat if they get healthy and mm-hmm. if they are running at optimal uh, optimal speed, so to speak. At the right time. Exactly. So I think that the Cavs are, are going to be a team – to, that that nobody wants to see, obviously, There's because upside. they have LeBron There's James. There's clearly upside. Yes, from, and I think here. that a lot of people are discounting the fact that they have this new energy, that they still haven't had a lot of playing time together. Actually, during the season, there's less practice time now. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I just I'm, I don't know if this 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 roster has reached its full potential yet, or if we even seen what they're capable of. And once Kevin Love comes back, I think that they're actually going to be they're going to compete for a championship. Whoever comes out the West. It's going to see the keep the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it's going to be a good seven-game series because they have this new young talent. They still have LeBron James. They have a superstar in Kevin Love if he can get healthy. So they have pieces, and I think that that has to be accounted for when you look at where they're going. And I think LeBron, even in his 15th season, continues to get better. I mean, he's been shooting the three really, really well this year which was, if you could ever say anything against his game, it's that, well, you'd want him to shoot the three if you're the defense, right? If you're, if you're going to give him anything, give him space and, and make him shoot that shot. And I think he's gotten a lot of confidence in taking that shot, uh, whether it's like a, a step back or the step to the side or even just kind of a one-dribble sp- uh, and, uh, or spot-up. He's getting really, really consistent at hitting that three. He did it in the All-Star game as well. So I think... It's just one more thing where you don't want to bet against LeBron James. He keeps adding to his game even this late in his career, and the guy's like, he's still getting better. He is. I mean, I'm a guard on the limb here, and my prediction for the finals with LeBron, I think that it's going to be LeBron and the Warriors for the, the fourth consecutive year. I yeah. think that's just the way it's going to work out. Yeah. Like, no shot at the Rockets. I think the way they're constructed this year is to contend. But I think they're one piece, one one superstar piece away from really having the roster that they need. And so I think next year when they come back, when they're able to get get some contracts off their books and make a play for some of these better players, I think that they're actually going to be a, a really good team. And imagine if a team like that got Paul George mm-hmm. and didn't have to guard LeBron James and say, okay, wait, if we go at Paul George, we got a player who still has more years left of his prime. I'm not saying that he is LeBron James because if you can get LeBron, you get LeBron, but I think Paul George is one of those players. He can play two-way. He can score, shoot the three. So I think that would be – it would be interesting. But I think just for the finals, I think we're going to see the Cavs, Warriors again, and that's just the way that it's going to be.